the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. show and i am robert steinbuck filling in for dave this monday morning dave is recovering well i've spoken with him he's doing very well uh, but he will be coming in tomorrow and i will be covering for him today we already have on the line with us our good friend chris corbett from conway little rock area chris as you likely know is an attorney a professional engineer uh, and an all-around uh, smart guy chris how are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Just got back off my 10-mile run. I'm awake and ready to go, brother. <laughs> As we always say, you know, Chris likes to pull your leg. He does a 20-mile run in the morning, so he likes to downplay that. Um, we also have on the line, just for a few minutes, I invited to join us Chris's wife, Susie Corbett, because it's a day after Mother's Day, and, of course, the Dave Ellswick Show uh, doesn't, uh, uh, show up on Sundays. So I thought we would uh, ask Susie to come on and tell us about her Mother's Day briefly so that we can all share in this wonderful event. I've talked many times on the Dave Ellswick show about my mother, and my mother passed a few years now ago. Uh, and uh, I'll talk more about her after uh, Susie talks. But I just want to invite Susie on. And uh, Susie, how are you? Tell us what you did for your Mother's Day. Good morning. Yes, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, we had a great weekend. I uh, I ended up having, I, I know this sounds crazy to people that don't have children, but if you do have children and young children at that, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had a miracle weekend of my children um, and myself doing acts of service for my mom without complaint, which was such um, an amazing gift to myself, you know, it's, it's, there's something about having or wanting to do something for someone else and getting your family involved and, you know, the kids gripe about it. <laughs> they, they have all these other things, all these other friends, uh, places they'd rather be. And they really don't see, I, I think when they're young, most kids don't really understand how fruitful it is, uh, to give and, to others, I mean, and they do, but but it's not the same. There's still a little bit of the me monster, and um, and so they they did. They helped me all Sunday at my mom and dad's house. Uh, my mom and dad had gone up to Fayetteville to see my niece Peyton, who was a a palm girl at the for the Razorbacks. 
uh, her four years, and she graduated on Saturday, and then on Sunday she cheered at the baseball game, and they had their senior uh, dedication day. So my mom and dad were able to be there to do that, and as a surprise, my family went over and graciously helped me um, do some things around my mom and dad's house that needs to get done or that needed to get get done, and, and we accomplished so many tasks, and I'm just it was a great day. It was just that's a, a wonderful. Day. Yes, it was a really nice day. So that's um, terrific. Now, now, Susie, uh, uh, Chris, and I was with Chris uh, a few weeks back now, and we went over to Sissy's log cabin, uh, and he bought you a very nice birthday present uh, from uh, Rob Dooms, the, the salesman there. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. and then a little while later, uh, you guys had a, a, a special event, and we went back there yet again. Um, and uh, Jim Engelhorn uh, also was there, and he bought you another nice present. Uh, so I think he's been on track. Um, did he peak or did he valley when it came to Mother's Day? <laughs> well, that's a funny question. <laughs> I'm not usually one to um, go and and uh, pick out jewelry. I mean, I'm totally fine. Piper gave me an amazing, my nine-year-old, um, gave me an amazing costume jewelry necklace that I'm going to have to really figure out how I'm going to wear this because it is big and does not look like me at all. But I, she is so tickled, and I am so tickled. So those are, you know, noodle necklaces are more my style. <laughs> so uh, it's been a lovely – Chris has just showered me lately, and I really, really do appreciate that. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's enough – you know, anybody that's ever been to Sissy's knows that when you get a gift from there, it, like, covers all the year. There's really no all need. All the year. There you go. <laughs> go back. Well, I told Chris, you know, Chris has a big shop out there in the garage. For those of you that don't know, Chris, as I said, is an engineer, and he, he gets his hands dirty as an engineer. And I said, Chris, now, you can't take the dried noodles and spray them gold. That's not what they do uh, uh, at Sissy's, in the, uh, uh, and that's what not Susie would expect. But Chris was fighting me on that one, you see. Uh, but I'm glad. That's because he knows uh, me so well. See, I would have been totally tickled with the gold noodles. There you go. But I got, like, you know, the icing on top, which is, which is spectacular. But, no, I... You know, I can't stress enough how nice it is to have people that are willing to do your stuff without complaint and to jump in there and help. So I, I'll, and I love sissies, but I'll take a, a helpful, loving, funny, joyful husband over a gift from sissies any day. <laughs> and how about so, both? Um, how about both, Susie, or this? Hey, Chris just introduced listen. me to a great place. The uh, everything but bunt cake place. Oh, that place is dangerous. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I could eat a thousand yes. of those things right out of the cabinet. That's true. That's true. And I have a sweet tooth, and that's bad. But I also have a lovely husband who's like, no, you look great. Go ahead and eat that piece of cake, which is good and bad. <laughs> there you go. You go both ways. But um, there you yeah, go. So he, he has just showered me all weekend long, and so have the kids. So I'm just extremely grateful. And I hope all of your listeners out there were able to call and visit with their mother or, um, 
give back to someone around them because sometimes, especially young moms, they just need a break. They just need somebody to tell them that they're doing a good job and not be critical. So I'm, I'm just really blessed. Yeah, I always made a point uh, of uh, celebrating Mother's Day. It's such a, it's a wonderful, secular, made-up holiday. And you know what? Perfect. It we is. can make up holidays all day long if we're making up, making them up for the right reason. And my mother always yeah. said that the best things are not the expensive things. They're they're not the cheap things. They're the things that come from your heart. Meaning it doesn't matter right. what the price is. You can buy a nice piece of jewelry. I remember when I was quite young, I bought her a, a nice necklace, but not terribly expensive. I didn't have that much money, and she wore it forever. Um, and yeah. in fact, I think I mentioned to you that my mother uh, uh, told me to uh, basically gave me money because she knows I'm so picky that nobody can buy anything for me anymore. It's really a little bit tragic. And she gave me some money <laughs> because I had been talking about buying a nice watch. Uh, and finally, I did so as well. We've talked about that before on the show. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a, an extravagance, but I wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it in part. Uh, because she wanted me to do it, and, and it was a gift from her. Uh, and so it's yeah. uh, w- just a wonderful day, Mother's Day. Anyway, Susie, uh, thank you for sharing with Dave's audience that wonderful story. Uh, it was uplifting to me, and I know it was uplifting uh, to them. And now I will let you get back to what inevitably is the case, which is Chris sitting around the house and you doing all the work. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been doing really good lately, so let's not well, let's not do that, Rob. Let's speak to the exactly. things out there so that we he will continue to help me. <laughs> That's what, I, what I meant to say is you're you're, you're going to go back and take a nap while he continues to do the work around the house. How's that sound? <laughs> there we go. Oh, there thanks you go. for having me. Thanks take for care. joining us, Susie. You too. Alrighty. All right, Bye-bye. y'all. That would be a good time to uh, take a break. So let's do that. Uh, you are listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are filling in for Dave today. They are your resident legal experts. As Dave is recovering from some minor surgery, don't worry, it's it's minor, as I said. And uh, Dave will be back tomorrow on Tuesday. So let's get to your traffic and your news. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. Of course, we have on the line with us Chris Corbett, engineer, lawyer, uh, and was actually uh, giving out free legal services this weekend uh, up there in Conway. Chris, tell us a little about what you did. I think this is such a wonderful thing. I'm going to come help you do it next time. I had a conflict. I had another meeting at the same time, unfortunately. But tell Dave's audience what you did. And next time we do it, I think we'll put out an announcement on the Dave Ellswick show and get some more people to show up. But what is this thing I'm teasing? Go ahead. Tell the audience, uh, Chris. Hey, we did for Teacher Appreciation Week. Uh, Susie and I set up in the mobile justice bus, and Susie's a public notary, and uh, we did uh, free wills for the uh, teachers. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Maybe Julie Lee Moore. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the school again? Julie Lee Moore Elementary School here in Conway, Arkansas. We did free wills for the teachers, and they would come over and sit down, and it takes 10 to 15 minutes, and 
we banged out wills for the uh, for the teachers there. That's wonderful. Look, what does it cost if if I walk into an attorney? What does an average attorney charge for a standard will? Do you think is it like a thousand bucks? That's a, yeah, a thousand bucks. That's what they'll thousand bucks. And you get yeah, so you get a yeah. It's estate planning, and you know during this time of uh, concern, I know it's hard to think about your own demise. But what you're doing is you're you're, you're doing when you do some estate planning, you're doing it for the folks that are still living, right? That's right. And, um, yeah, so we gave back to the teachers, and uh, they really appreciated it. You know, a lot of them were like, wow, you know, this is great. Uh, it's expensive to do this. They don't have time to do it. And they loved the van. The mobile justice bus, man, was awesome. Well, you got to look for that mobile justice bus, folks. Uh, when you are up in the Conway area, although Chris is often down in Little Rock, he may be coming down today to Little Rock to meet me for lunch, either today or tomorrow. Uh, and he'll be driving that mo- mobile justice bus. And you can't miss it. It's got Chris's big mug plastered on the back. It, it says uh, the corporate law firm down the side. Uh, and it's so wonderful. You gave out, obviously, thousands of dollars worth of free work. I'm going to come help you do that next time, I promise in advance. We'll open it up even a little bit more broadly. Uh, it won't only have to be teachers. We started with Teacher Appreciation Week, which, of course, I appreciate being a teacher myself. And that's just such a wonderful thing to do. I took my mother uh to to a lawyer, uh, and we paid money, mind you. This is up in New York, uh, to do her will when she was already ill. And she recognized the importance of it. And, of course, we didn't focus on the morbidity, so to speak, of it. Uh, and we didn't know when it was going to be relevant. But it's always going to be relevant at some point. And we took care of that, and that was a good thing. And so for you to do this wonderful service for the people of Conway, uh, free of charge, public service for the good of everyone. Everybody benefits. Everybody benefits because what happens when you don't have a will, things get contentious, people start to fight, people start to argue, and money gets wasted. And this way, everything's set out in advance in a will. You tuck it in a drawer. You tuck it in the safety deposit box. And everything is good to go. And I'm a lawyer, as you know, Chris, but I I repeat it for Dave's audience, uh, who's I am also admitted to practice in the state of Arkansas, uh, as are, are you. We're both admitted in several states. And I will come help you do that. Maybe one day we had, as you know, Chris, uh, we both know the owner of David's Burgers. And maybe we'll go do a a get your burger and will day at David's Burgers. (laughs) Who knows? Oh, man. Don't tip me with a good time. Don't tip me with a double cheeseburger, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Because and maybe we'll rope the owner of David's Burgers is um, uh, David Allen Bubbas. He goes by Allen. Uh, his middle name, and uh, Alan, guess what, is also a lawyer, uh, and Alan was my student. That notwithstanding, he probably still can do a good job for you. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, that's a little <laughs> joke there. Uh, but the, the point is that we'll get, the, uh, we'll get the old band back together, as they say, and we'll do some wills for David uh, Berger's customers. Just putting Sounds that like out there. Plan. I like it. Right? Yeah, they got uh, toad suck going on. They've, they've spread out the toad suck days here in Conway. Because normally, 
one weekend, but they spread it out over about four or five weekends because of the coronavirus. Mm. Yeah, maybe that maybe that'll be a time to do it. But yeah. uh, it, sometimes we were the, the other day. You, uh, Chris, and I were in the David's Bubba's parking lot uh, in the Justice van, and some people came by. We weren't offering legal services at the time, although we were happy to answer questions that notwithstanding, but it wasn't as if yeah. it was a planned event. But we'll, we'll look around Little Rock, look around Conway. You might see Corbett and Steinbuck sitting in the justice van from time to time. Love it. Chris, let's start talking about, let's see how much, uh, no, we still got a couple of minutes before um, um, Heidi cracks a whip. You know that? Heidi, she keeps a tight schedule. We can't run over her. So, but before Heidi cracks that whip, I want to talk, start talking about. We'll we'll carry over into the next segment. You're gonna you're gonna love this, and I I put love, of course, in quotes. It's more of the cancel culture. I got to tell you about Chris. All right. Let me read to you from a from an article in in my favorite New York pa- paper, the New York Post. No, it ain't the New York Times. That liberal rag. I still read that liberal rag, but. That's not a newspaper anymore. It's an opinion piece. I read it so that I know what the lefties are thinking, because it's not a newspaper. It used to be a newspaper. It used to be a newspaper with a, with a liberal slant. That's okay. Now it's just an opinion piece. The whole thing is just a big opinion piece. This is from the New York Post from the other day. A former University of Virginia medical student can proceed with a lawsuit against the school over his expulsion. His expulsion, Chris, which stemmed from questions he asked about the nuance of microaggressions during a panel discussion that led him that led to him being branded a threat, a federal judge has ruled. So this oh my guy gosh. asks so, oh, there you go, baby. This oh guy has the temerity. To, wait, I've got some questions about microaggression. Danger! Danger, Will Robinson! Danger! We can't let him talk. We can't let him share his opinion. Oh, no, 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 no. You thinking wrong. When you thinking wrong, we're going to kick you out. <laughs> That's what happened. We're going to kick you out. So he was a, just with his words, he was a threat of violence. He pumped his chest out. He clenched his fist. He stepped That's right. backwards and reared his fist back. That was a microaggression. Microaggression. Yeah, I already know where mm-hmm. you're going with this, Rob. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I, you know, microaggression, isn't that when you take the dead skin off? No, that's dermabrasion. Sorry, I get those uh, terms mixed up sometimes. My, my mistake. By the way, this guy's name, the guy who was kicked out, the, uh, the microaggressor, is that like a really small aggressor, like a guy who's two inches tall? He's a, he's a microaggressor, you know? It's like, yeah. it's, I think it's a, a Saturday morning uh, cartoon, right? The microaggressors. The guy's name is, bear with me, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not good with the longer names. Uh, I think it's Bhattacharya. I I believe that's an Indian name. Oh, yes, I can identify different backgrounds. Is that allowed? Uh, Bhattacharya. (laughs) So here you have an Indian gentleman, right? So it's not not the claim from the Uber left. Oh, well, this is a white privilege, blah, blah, blah. No. The guy apparently, at least from his name, is an Indian. Well, guess what? Even if you are a person of color, if you don't have the right words coming out of your mouth, well, you're the wrong person. 
So that's wild. He, right? He, uh, let's see here. Um, he started to ask this person about microaggressions. There's, was that a talk at the school? I'm trying to see what school it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, Virginia. I said so already. And they said, oh, uh, you were angry. He was like, I wasn't angry. Oh, you were uh, upset. I wasn't upset. You seem to be upset. I'm not upset. You're upset. But he pressed on to ask, you know, what is your definition of uh, microaggressions? Um, well, sure enough, they call him in. Uh, for an academic st- uh, uh, standards and achievement committee meeting with three hours notice. Uh, can you say start? Oh, here we go, Rob. This is it. This, uh-huh. is, this is McCarthyism. This is McCarthyism, right? That's it. It's nothing new. That's it. Excuse me, sir. Have you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? That's, of course, the McCarthy <laughs> line, right? Yeah. Have you? Have Are you, you now, or have you Are ever you? been a microaggressor? <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's continue this conversation into the next segment. We have to get to your news and your traffic and your weather. Plus, we have to pay a few other bills as well. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are filling in for Dave on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave. Dave is recuperating well this Monday morning. He will join you all back tomorrow. Meanwhile, you're stuck with me. This is Robert Steinbeck, as I say, and I am with Chris Corbett. We're talking about this case, yet another case of cancel culture. Now, by the way, Dan Sullivan had a bill in the state legislature this past session to put the reins on cancel culture in higher education, to deal with exactly the fact pattern that we are talking about today. That bill didn't make it out of the Education Committee, Chris. We're going to get back to the facts of this Virginia case in just a moment. But that case didn't get out of the Education Committee. You know why it didn't get out of the Education Committee? Because we have some phony conservatives on the Education Committee. Who's chief among them? He's not the only one, but who's chief um, uh, among them? James Sturch. James Sturch from uh, North Arkansas. He's not a conservative. I don't know what he is, but he ain't no conservative. And so I will actively campaign against James Sturch. Because what we need in this legislature is conservatives. Jane English wasn't a great friend of this conservative bill. Senator Eads wasn't a great friend of this conservative bill. You know, these are the problems that we have here in Arkansas. We have an overwhelmingly Republican legislature, but you know what we don't have? A conservative legislature. And it's a little bit embarrassing. It's a you know the, the old joke, and it's just a joke to be clear. But the old joke was, "Thank goodness for Mississippi," and I and I like Mississippi, and I'm not trying to insult me, but it was a joke, right? Meaning, if we, if Arkansas wasn't doing so well, we could say, "Look at Mississippi; they're doing worse." Well, I don't know who to say that about when it comes to having a Republican legislature that's not conservative. I can't point to another state that has the problem that we have. Sure, I could go back to where I came from and live in New York, which is liberal. But at least you know it's liberal because you're a bunch of Democrats. But what do you do when it's Republican, but it ain't conservative? You know what you do? You start primarying people. That's what you do. 
let's get back to this story, Chris. This guy goes to this public talk where someone's putting on a talk about microaggressions. And he says, what's microaggressions? Who does it apply to? How does this work? And they said, oh, it sounds like you're getting angry. Uh, I'm not getting angry, he says. This person of color, by the way, Bhattacharya is his name. Uh, he says, mm, not me. I'm not getting angry. Uh, they said, no, no, no. It sounds like you're getting angry. Uh, it sounds like you're getting angry, but I'm not getting angry. And get this, right out of the Soviet playbook, they say, you got to go get psychologically evaluated. You got to go to the political minder to get psychologically evaluated because the only way you could ask questions about the leftist doctrine is if you're nuts. Right, Chris? <laughs> That's right. That's the only way right. in the leftist ideology you could deign to question the leftist doctrine is if you're nuts. Yes, I use that term colloquially. Sorry, don't like it. Go find another radio station. This is uh, cancel culture. Can't say nuts. Can you say walnuts? I don't know. Um, so here's the thing. And, and then they, they, they drag him in before this star chamber. And the star chamber boots him out. Oh, you're too aggressive. Wait a second. You call me into a star chamber. You start telling me that I'm nuts. And then you tell me that I'm uh, that I got to go. I'm out. Tell me that's yeah, not the hey, this guy's this guy's this guy's fighting for his for his medical degree. Uh, Rod, right. He 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 went up. He just basically needed. He was asking for definitions. He said, "What what is the definition of a marginalized group? Tell me what that is." And they 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 couldn't tell it. Right. And but that was a that was considered a microaggression because because they were saying, uh, yeah, well, we're a minority. You're not allowed to ask a question. You're not allowed to ask a question. He, he, he didn't attack anybody. He, he simply asked a question. Yeah. And uh, this somehow offended the folks on this on this panel. And it happened to be one of the deans. And so this is where. This microcosm of what's going on across the nation right now is ridiculous. It's ignorant. I mean, we, we can't fix stupid, Rob, but we can set a hearing for it. But let me show you how right. stupid it is, right? Literally, the definition of a microaggression is a comment or an action that subtly and often unconsciously or unintentionally expresses a prejudiced attitude Toward a member of a marginalized group, they're, tr they're trying to control the words here, and uh, I didn't mean to be offensive. I had no intent, but simply his question of asking, "What is a marginalized group?" was taken as offensive because they they jumped two or three steps out in front of him. It, because if you can't define marginalized group, then you can't be attacked for it, right? So they leave these things open and squishy, uh, and then they, I've then seen, they drag him into. Yeah, I've seen during these times these all these virtue signaling public statements, and they're talking about marginalized groups. So I I yeah. sheepishly put up my hand, so to speak, and I say, hey, you know, 
I'm Jewish. Uh, am I a member of a, of a marginalized group? You know, is that a tough question to answer? Uh, last time I checked, in the last century, you know, during World War II, perhaps you heard of it, WW2, uh, the Jews didn't fare too well, now did they? But if you ask today, you say, well, are Jews an historically marginalized group? I don't hear people saying yes. Wait, what? Now, I'm not looking for it, but I'm pointing out the hypocrisy, because here's what the left does with the so-called definition of historically marginalized group. They put whoever they want in that group, not based on history, based on politics. That's what's going on here. So Bhattacharya says, hmm, says inside his head, I'm an Indian. That's a person of color. Right. Exactly. So am I a marginalized uh, a member of a marginalized group? Who's a member? They can't answer it. They can't answer it because yep. the definition flows back and forth by their needs. They make it up that's, as they go along. That's right. It's that simple. Well, that's what that's what conservative folks are dealing with all across the country and here in Arkansas. You know, we're we're helped defend a couple of teachers and kept their jobs up there in Jonesboro because they simply attended the protest, right? Probably even the protest. It was a rally. And you can be attacked for uh, intentionally um, or unintentionally offending somebody's mind, right? Oh, well, it's, you bring up a great point, Chris. We represent you and I as attorneys, obviously represent these two attorneys up there in Jonesboro. Uh, they were being two teachers. Two teachers yeah. Oh, what did I say? I forgot. Um, uh, these two teachers up there in Jonesboro uh, who um, were being persecuted by some leftist crackpot. That's what he is. Yeah. Leftist yeah. crackpot. Yeah. Because yeah. if you read the screed that he sent to the school, just replete with falsehoods, you'll know that's the case. And this uh, leftist crackpot goes out and attacks these two God-fearing, loyal Arkansans, loyal Americans, patriots. That's what they are. And this uh, education committee, this committee of the Department of Education calls a hearing in violation of the law, by the way. The law says that you only get the have a hearing if there's credible evidence that a policy was violated. There was no such credible evidence, and indeed, they never said there was. They changed the standard written into the law. Watch out, folks. This is the problem with bureau hacks. They take the law written by the legislature, signed by the governor, and they completely rewrite it. It's in their paperwork. The statute says only if there's a, a credible claim of wrongdoing that violates the law. And they said, just as long as you state something that could be a violation. Well, that's not a credible yeah. claim. Yeah. That, that's oh, not a well, prima facie gonna, case. Yeah. Yeah. You get a professionalism concern card filed against you. That's what happened to uh, uh, Budakari exactly. here. Uh, a professional concern card. Well, guess what Mr. James Sturch did? He amended the Arkansas Code concerning ethical violations by Arkansas educators, Rob. He amended the vi- – I just look at, I just thought I would peruse his bills. He amended the, the, the ethical violations uh, by Arkansas educators to include unlicensed people. 
So now mm-hmm. they've got the star chamber for unlicensed. Uh, you can be drawn, drug in front of the teacher's ethics commission for for being, even though you're unlicensed. You're not even regulated by them. That's what it's that's what well, advocated. That's what as he, I mentioned to you uh, a moment ago, which, um, James Church was the biggest hang-up for us passing free speech on campus. And what I call aptly the free speech, the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus part two bill, because Dave was one of the primary proponents of the bill that became the law in the previous legislation, uh, legislative session known as the Forum Act. That's an acronym. It's freedom of something, something, et cetera. But the point is that Dave was a big advocate of that. And that bill passed. We tried with Dan Sullivan as the as the sponsor to move ahead incrementally. And James Sturch put up a roadblock on behalf of leftists, on behalf of the uh, education industrial complex, uh, on behalf of. Go ahead. You're yeah. Well, you're, you're you're on it, Rob. You were trying to protect teachers. You're trying to protect folks on campus if they simply ask a question, right? And students. Question. The bill yeah. would have protected students like Bhattacharya at the University of Virginia. Dan's bill, and I'll call it Dan and Dave's bill, would have done, mm-hmm. would have protected exactly the actions here in the case that we're talking about. The, the, yep. the bill would have said Bhattacharya is entitled to ask questions without being dragged before a star chamber, being accused of being crazy, and being sent for psychological counseling, and being pu- uh, uh, pulled out of school because he's, quote, too aggressive in his questioning. Remember, the so-called aggression isn't physical aggression. There wasn't an iota even of a claim of physical aggression. What's the aggression? You just seem angry. You can see them pounding their fingers together like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. You seem angry. It's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. How this is right out of the Soviet playbook. All right, y'all, let's continue this conversation into the next segment. We got to get to our traffic. You are listening to the Dave Ellswick show, and we are joined by our resident legal experts, Robert Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. They are filling in for Dave today as Dave is recovering from some minor surgery. He will be back tomorrow, but let's get to this commercial break. This is the Dave Ellswick show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbach, filling in for Dave. Of course, with me is Chris Corbett, engineer, attorney uh, up there in Conway, up there relative to where I am. I know we have a lot of Conway listeners. Dave has a lot of Conway listeners because they get in touch with him all the time, and he passes along the wonderful messages. Look for Chris's Justice Van driving around Conway when you're up there, and we will plan another event, as we talked about in an earlier segment, in which Chris and I will come out and do free wills for the people of Conway. We'll do it here in Little Rock as well. We'll do it all around the state eventually, trying to provide a good public service for the fine people of Arkansas. Chris, we're talking about this fellow up there at the University of Virginia who has been subject to cancel culture, in which... They booted him out of medical school, this guy by the name of Bhattacharya. Uh, They booted him out of medical school because he had the temerity to simply question leftist doctrine, leftist indoctrination, 
I should say. And this is the problem. You go to these places of higher education, and they are too often not places of higher education. They are places of indoctrination. They are places in which you learn the catechism. You don't learn to analyze. You learn to memorize. And you learn to memorize the political ideology of the left. And so when he asked a series of simple questions, they called them dangerous but why is he dangerous? Because he's thinking dangerous, meaning he's thinking like a conservative. That's, according to the left, thinking dangerous. And this is why the law is so important, why we were talking about in the last segment how we represented two teachers up there in Jonesboro because they had the temerity, I say sarcastically, to go to a Trump rally. Go to a Trump rally. And some leftist comes out and starts saying that, they were dangerous. Well, that's crack pottery, as I like to call it. You ain't dangerous just because you are conservative. In fact, if you're a conservative, more likely than not, you're a patriot. You're a patriot is what you are. And so we beat right. back this attack uh, in the Department of Education, and we got that case dismissed. But you know what's coming next, Chris? You do. But Dave's audience doesn't know. Yes, the defamation lawsuit against this guy uh, who sought to attack these patriots. We're going to be bringing that defamation lawsuit in Arkansas court. That's why you got to know the law. You got to know the First Amendment. You got to know what's right and wrong, and you got to stand up for it. Because if you don't stand up for truth, for justice, and the American way, guess what? The left will walk over you like an old rug. They will beat yeah. you down like a old cow. So uh, we're not going to. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris. This, this community thinking, and and what we need to bring back to these universities is one, what you were trying to do is protection for freedom of speech. But two, also, Rob, we need some conservative teachers to be teaching both sides, right? Um, like yourself, aren't you going to be able to maybe teach constitutional law at the law school? Well, it's a great question, Chris. You know, I've mentioned on the air before, I think David asked, uh, when am I going to get to teach con law? <clears throat> I've asked to teach con law, so as my colleague Josh Silverstein, and notwithstanding the longstanding practice in which senior faculty get to take up classes that become empty when someone retires uh, or leaves, and the, the guy who's teaching con law, by the way, both day and night, which is unusual, in other, in other words, it's all aggregated in this one person who happens to be, hmm, that's right, liberal. Really? Surprise, surprise. And so my colleague, who's a Democrat, and I, a conservative, want to teach it. And all of a sudden, well, hmm. you watch, Chris. One of two things is going to happen. Either neither one of us will get to teach con law because he uh, doesn't adopt, my colleague, that is, doesn't adopt fully the leftist agenda, or even more tragically, and perhaps more likely, they'll let him teach con law because he's liberal. There's no question about that. So I would gather in their eyes leftist enough, but they won't let the conservative teach con law. Let's see. Let's see if the only person who doesn't get to teach con law is the conservative. The only time. <laughs> Never in the history of the law school have they had a conservative teach con law. They once had a libertarian, 
but not a conservative. And once the libertarian started even to mention conservative ideology, and I wouldn't have done it the way he did, but nonetheless mentioned conservative ideology, he was out. He was out. That was the end of it. Never in the history of the law school have we had a conservative teach constitutional law. What do you think about that? It's, and of all the topics that require some interplay, some intersection between political ideology and legal ideology, it's constitutional law. And I, of course, wouldn't teach just conservative ideology, but I would teach it as part of a panoply. And right. I, if you look across America today, that does, is not what is happening in constitutional classes across the country. The conservative ideology is minimized, and I would not minimize the conservative ideology, particularly, by the way, given that the interpreter of the Constitution is the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court is a majority conservative. So we need people who are able to apply the conservative ideology and teach the conservative ideology as part of the full package, to be clear, so that students understand what is happening, what has happened, and what will happen in the Supreme Court. That's why you see all of these leftist law professors make all these proclamations about cases before the Supreme Court only to turn out to be wrong. I remember when they were saying, oh, well, there's, there's no way that the Supreme Court uh, could say that <clears throat> the Commerce Clause uh, is not a valid r- means to regulate uh, and impose the mandate from Obamacare. All said, right, Robert, we got to wrap up the hour because uh, we need to get to that uh, the top of the hour news and traffic and weather. So let's do that. Our resident legal experts are filling in for Dave on the Dave Ellswick show on this cloudy Monday morning. They are Robert Steinbach. He is a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the staff of UA Litterock. We also have with us Chris Corbett. He is an attorney and we'll be right back because state senator dan sullivan he is waiting on the line and we'll get right back to all three of them on the dave ellswick show 101.1 fm the answer Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. Uh, on the line with us uh, is Chris Corbett, attorney engineer from Conway. And we have our very special friend and special guest, Dan Sullivan, state senator from Jonesboro. Dan, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Glad to join y'all. 
Dan, let's jump right into it as we always do. Uh, let's start, of course, with a recap of what happened this past legislative session. Give us the highs, give us the lows, uh, and let's talk about what we can do to continue to move forward. What are your thoughts? Well, sure, and thank you. You know, I thought we had a great legislative session. Um, there's always things you don't get done or things you wanted to do that didn't. But as far as what passed and what became law, I thought we had a really good session. You know, it started out actually about uh, well over a year ago, two years ago, a year and a half ago, when we had uh, three new senators elected. We had Charles Beckham in South Arkansas and uh, Mr. Gilmore, Ben Gilmore, and myself all elected to the Senate. And that made a significant change in the uh, in the makeup of the Senate, made it much more conservative. Uh, we had new leadership come in. Senator Jimmy Hickey came in as the new president of, a, of the Senate and just did a fantastic job. Number one, I think, of getting the power back to the Senate and the Senate stepping up and being an independent branch and exercising the authority that the Constitution gives them. So that was a significant change, I think, uh, Robert. Um, you know, as far as specific bills that that came through, and I'm I don't, I'm not going to list the individual bills by name or number, uh, but you know we had the sovereignty bill that passed, as y'all know, um, right there at the last <laughs> last few minutes actually of the session, and a lot of people think that sovereignty bill was a a gun bill or two a bill, and it's really not. It extends well beyond. Um, just being about guns and the federal government stepping in. But it creates and allows Arkansas to have the sovereignty to enforce our Constitution, which is a huge deal. Uh, we had some 2A uh, Second Amendment bills passed. We had some tax bills passed. Uh, we have some more coming up. We're going to end up having a tax cut uh, meeting later on this fall. Uh, we had, I think, a whole package of voter rights bills, uh, voter security bills, uh, election, I guess is probably a better word, a whole package of election bills to protect our elections. Uh, we had some COVID bills passed about uh, not requiring masks, uh, vaccines. These all passed in the last few days, but those were important. Uh, we also had some abortion, several abortion uh, right to life bills that passed. Uh, and others, y'all may be able to think of a few more, but that's a huge agenda and a huge accomplishment to pass that many uh, bills on such a wide variety of topics and all conservative issues. Dan, you're, you're of course, as always, 100% right, and you really do home in on the critical issue here. You got Charles Bendit, like Beckham, uh, where's where's uh, Charles from? What part of the state, by the way? Just uh, south of Little Rock, kind of south central. Gotcha. Uh, Sen uh, Senator Beckham, uh, you've got, of course, yourself, Dan Sullivan, uh, and you've got uh, Ben Gilmore. That's three conservatives moving into the legislature, uh, making the Senate more conservative. And, and that's like 8% or so of the entire Senate moved to the right. We need to continue that trend. We need to move that Senate, which is overwhelmingly Republican, but not overwhelmingly conservative, to the right. Your presence alone, Dan, in the Senate changed the composition specifically 
relative to your opponent so that stand your ground now passed. It is now law in the state of Arkansas. And by the way, in over two-thirds of the states of America, this allegedly outlandish wingnut proposal is the supermajority across this country. That's how out of touch the left is when they attack such simple bills that merely say, hey, guess what? If you're being attacked, you don't need to start looking around and put yourself at an even greater disadvantage when you're the victim, not the aggressor. That's what we mean by common sense legislation. You, your presence in this legislature, changed that outcome. Another two a yeah, it absolutely did. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Make a comment. Well, I, again, I think that was probably the most dramatic uh, change. It changed the leadership. Those three votes helped change mm-hmm. the leadership and the direction that we went in. Um, and I, all these, this whole list that we just went through, all those bills were made possible because, and they went through most, for the most part pretty easily, uh, they were made possible because we had a more conservative legislature. Or again, It's really remarkable. Am I correct in my understanding that the former leader of the Senate, the former Republican leader of the Senate, is no longer a Republican? That's true, yes. Uh, He is now uh, an independent, and you can tell that in the voting record. Uh, And, you know, his voting record this session would have, uh, we're talking about Senator Jim Hendren, uh, Jim's voting record this session would have been, you know, had he continued to be the president or someone of similar uh, leanings, we would have had a much more uh, liberal session than we did. So it, we brought a lot of people on board. And, uh, again, I'm just really proud of what the Senate did as working together as a team. Uh, you know, Robert, one of the things people, um, you know, I get a lot of phone calls uh, why don't you pass this, or why don't you pass that, or why don't you guys do, you know, thus and so. It's a team effort. You have to work together. Uh, there are some bills that pass that I'm just not crazy about, but I'm willing to go forward with those bills and be a part of that team. And there, uh, and that also allows people, uh, causes people to work with me on a few bills. You know, the bill that may stand out, stands out in my mind was, uh, Senate Bill 301 to return the fines for our businesses that were closed uh, a fine because of COVID violations, mask violations. And those those uh, fines were, in my belief, against against the law. Uh, you know, the governor, uh, the executive branch were making and enforcing law. They can't do that. Therefore, the fines that were put on these businesses were illegal fines, and we should have returned them. Uh, but we had the uh, vote of the Senate that passed to repeat to, um, I'm losing the word right here, uh, to override the governor. Be- yeah, the governor, governor vetoed the bill, and the Senate overrode that veto. That happens because we worked together uh, with a conservative legislature. In fact, the Senate overrode three of the governor's vetoes this session. That's a big deal. But you know what's an even bigger deal, Dan, and what's even more disturbing? And while we celebrate the accomplishments, we must also pay attention to the defeats, is that uh, the, the governor was perfectly entitled to veto that bill 
because he has a role in this process, and so he vetoed that bill. Well, the Senate said, we still believe in that bill because we just passed it 18 minutes ago. So the Senate, like they did when they passed the bill, voted again after the governor vetoed the bill to pass the bill again. And as you know, in Arkansas, you need the same number to pass a bill as you need to override a veto. In other words, there's no higher amount needed to override a veto. You need a simple majority of the body. And, of course, the Senate did that second time around because all of 10 seconds passed since they did it first time around. And then the bill goes over to the House. And we all fully expect the House to do exactly the same thing they did an hour and a half before, which was pass the bill, but this time to override the veto. And you had a bunch of turncoats change their votes, change their votes from being for the bill to being against the bill. You have a bunch of John Kerry's floating around on their fancy surfboard up there in Martha's Vineyard changing their votes. Now, explain that to me, please. You understand politics. I don't get it. Well, yeah, it, and not only did it pass, you know, there's 100 members in the House. I think there were about uh, 70, 65 or 70 votes for the bill. So it didn't just pass by 51 votes. It passed by an overwhelming majority. Uh, so that, I think there were 14 different people who voted for the bill or uh, 15 people maybe that voted for it, that when it came time to override, voted against it. Uh, and the governor had a lot to do with that. You know, he lobbied the members of the House and convinced them to change their votes. Uh, I think it's a, you know, if one is looking at, um, you know, good people to primary, that vote is a good starting point for people that voted one way uh, and changed their mind. You know, there were a few conservatives <clears throat> that voted against the bill in the first place with with what they felt were valid reasons, and I'm respectful of that. Uh, however, one that votes for it and then votes against it, you know, I've got some questions to, for those folks, uh, and you, know, you can make up whatever reason you want or have whatever reason you want, but the actions by the governor on that were unconstitutional. You can't, the governor can't make and enforce laws. He could have called us in. He didn't. Uh, we could have. The, the legislature could have acted. He didn't give us that opportunity. Therefore, the executive branch is going to start, um, you know, violating the separation of powers, constitutional separating of powers, and finding businesses. So, uh, you know, that, that's a big deal. And as you know, um, um, you know we also had the lot. Robert, sorry, we had the on these. Yeah, we had the uh, lawsuit that we, I feel like we won on. We ended up dropping the lawsuit because the legislature passed legislation that uh, effectively mirrored the lawsuit. So that was another big win that I left off the list before, was pushing back on the separation of powers. That was the hammer gas away bill that, that effectively mirrored the lawsuit and took the power back and gave the power back to the legislature. A huge deal. All right, y'all, let's continue this conversation uh, into the next segment because we got to get to some news and traffic and pay a couple of bills. So let's do that. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are your resident legal experts on the Dave Ellswick show. They are filling in for 
Dave, as Dave is on vacation right now. And we're also talking with State Senator Dan Sullivan. We'll be right back after this break on The Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. He's busy recuperating. He's doing very well. I've spoken with him, and he will be back on the air tomorrow morning. Of course, we have on the line Chris Corbett, attorney and engineer up there in Conway. And we also have our special guest, Dan Sullivan, state senator from Jonesboro. Dan, we've been talking politics. We've been talking the legislative session. Here's my question to you for your political analysis. I get it. If the governor vetoes a bill, the next thing that he would do, if I were a governor, I would do this, would be to call the state legislators and say, listen, don't override my veto. I would appreciate if you don't override my veto. I get that. What I don't get is that the person taking the call doesn't respectfully, mind you, say, Mr. Governor, I appreciate your position. By the way, soon in the future will be Madam Governor. But in any event, uh, uh, Mr. Governor, uh, uh, I appreciate your position. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm not saying that you are without reason, but I disagree with it. And since I voted for the bill 10 minutes ago, I'm going to maintain the same vote. So that's my question for you. How does somebody flip-flop on a dime because they got a call from the governor like they got a call from Lady Gaga and they get all giggly? You have some great analogies. I appreciate it. You know, first of all, uh, there were a bunch of them that didn't flip. Yeah, there were uh, 49 or 50 that did not flip. Those that did uh, change their mind, yes. Uh, but those that did, you know, we, we get lots of calls, not just from the, from the governor's office, but from our constituents and from, um, you know, people around the state and businesses and individuals. So, you know, it's not just the governor, the administration that's calling. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, the, the reason I think it's a great question and the voters need to call their, their representatives that flipped and ask them why. Uh, that's, that's the process. Uh, I talked to one or two, and you know they they had various reasons. Um, you know, from well, you know, I just uh, changed my mind to I didn't read the bill as well as I should have. Uh, you know, some of them just were swayed and said, "Yes, the governor, uh, his office contacted me, and I agreed not to override." Uh, but the important action is for the voters to call their representatives up and ask them why. You know, again, there were three bills that were uh, the Senate overrode the governor's veto. Uh, the House only did two of them. The other one was, that was the Senate did was Senate Bill uh, 298, which was the sovereignty bill um, you know, that, that we passed. And, and, he, and Senator Stubblefield agreed, yes, there's a few problems with it. We'll fix them and bring it back. Uh, therefore, the Senate overrode the veto uh, knowing that we would have other legislation out there. Uh, however, the House did not. Uh, they came up with a House version of the bill that did pass, but they declined in overriding the veto. And those are two bills that I think uh, the voters need to be asking their state representative why you refused to do that, why you didn't step forward and, and use the power and the authority granted you by the Constitution. You know, separation of powers is a huge issue 
and is getting bigger as we have presidents using executive orders. We have governors using executive orders nationally. And COVID was a great example of that uh, nationwide. And if you're, if the listeners were kind of watching the news, there were lawsuits in many states, not just Arkansas. There were lawsuits in many states challenging the governor's executive order. And I don't know of one where the executive order stood on some of these COVID uh, regulations and COVID executive orders. So the courts are siding with the legislatures in uh, standing for the separation of power. And I think it's a critical uh, position for voters to ask their representatives, senators and state reps, you know, where are you on this separation of powers? If your body votes and you voted, why would you change? I think it's a huge issue. Indeed, Dan, as is perhaps always the case, you have a balanced and nuanced approach compared to me, because you know what I would do if I had a state rep or state senator who flip-flopped like John Kerry? What I'm going to do, campaign against each and every one of them. I don't need an explanation from these people. They ain't conservative enough for me. They're out. We'll see if I can make that happen, of course. But you, of course, uh, uh, have demonstrated your willingness to listen to everybody. I'm tired of listening to flip-floppers. I'm tired of listening to so-called conservatives, people who claim to be conservatives, and then get on the Education Committee, and they uh, fight against good, common-sense legislation to stop the cancel culture. I'm just tired of waiting. And and how many of these flip-floppers tell you, well, if there's a problem, we'll take care of it in two years. Two years? Two years is a long time to be living under a system that doesn't allow for freedom. Two years is a long time for that University of Virginia medical student, Bhattacharya, to be booted out of school because of the cancel culture. Two years is too long to live under Soviet-style dictatorship. Sorry. I don't have Robert, think about those teachers. Well, think about the teachers uh, up here in Jonesboro that you and Chris uh, so graciously uh, represented. Two years for those two ladies would have been the loss of their job. That's uh, right. You know, if, that, if we hadn't had that bill already passed, uh, and the same bill we tried to run in the in the Senate Education Committee that failed, I heard y'all talking about that earlier. You know, there are multiple examples here in Arkansas. Uh, nationwide. You know, I filed a FOIA request, and I know you love those. Uh, I filed a FOIA request again to the U of A uh, just uh, last week asking for information about they're going to remove the Fulbright name and statute, and they had an appointed commission, and the appointed commission, uh, one of the people on the commission said, well, we voted, I forget what the vote was, 12 to 1, he said, I'm not going to release how the members of that committee voted. We said, wait a minute. You're going to get rid of the Fulbright name and pull down the statue, move the statue, remove his name? All right, y'all, we need to get to a break. Uh, we're, get, we're coming to the bottom of the hour news, so let's do that. We'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.
This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbach filling in for Dave this Monday morning. Dave will be back on the air tomorrow morning. In the meantime, we have, of course, Chris Corbett, attorney and engineer in the Conway area, also Little Rock. Look for his Justice Bus. That is the Corb- the mobile Corbett law firm rolling down the road. You can't miss it. If, you don't, if you're not sure it's the Justice Bus, it ain't, because you can't miss that Justice Bus. Uh, and then, of course, we have on the line with us friend of the Dave Ellswick Show, friend of ours personally as well, State Senator Dan Sullivan, who raised a very important issue just before we went to break, something near and dear to my heart. That's a Freedom of Information Act. And Dan described how he made a Freedom of Information Act request of the University of Arkansas regarding the Fulbright statue that apparently they're contemplating moving, disposing of. What's the word? Oh, yes canceling. And Dave's listeners may not know, but I am a Fulbright scholar. I'm a beneficiary of the scholarship program created by the Senator Fulbright. And now there is this false movement to label Fulbright as a racist. Now, to be clear, Fulbright was a man of his time, and you must view him in that context. But in that context, he would be arguably a progressive, a progressive and they want to cancel him? I'm not for that, Dan. Tell us more about what's going on. And also, let's talk about, is it, didn't Mark Johnson, Senator Mark Johnson, pass a, a law that prevents state entities from cancel culturing statues? So tell us what's going on here. Yes, we, uh, Mark Johnson did pass that, le- that legislation protecting our statues. It passed right at the end of the session. I don't know how it's going to affect this because it does allow, if I remember reading the bill correctly, it does allow in some circumstances for statues to be moved. Um, uh, by, again, I just don't remember the details of the bill. Sure. But the, sure. You know, the, the process is what's important that's going on at the U of A. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if your listeners know it, but you know, when a FOIA request is made of the government, they have three days to comply with that. Well, I made that FOIA request last Wednesday to the U of A Systems Office and to the U of A Fayetteville campus where the Fulbright statue is. Um, the, the Systems Office replied almost immediately with a uh, very short statement uh, and pretty much just a press release. We went back and forth a little bit. They said, you know, that I needed to get the information from U of A. And the U of A, to my knowledge, hasn't responded to my FOIA request. So we're going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, we're going on, uh, you know, five or six days now. We still haven't heard from them. So I'll be contacting the U of A asking for that. And again, just to kind of recap for your listeners, a commission or a committee was tasked with uh, deciding whether you know what they should do with that statue, and the committee came back with a vote. I think the vote was either 12 to 1 or 15 to 1 in favor of moving that statue, and I think removing some his name, Senator Fulbright, U.S. Senator Fulbright's name, from inside the campus. Uh, and the, the committee voted, I think the vote was 12 to 1. So we asked for the names of the of the committee members and how each committee member voted. You know, if you're going to be a part of this activity, then you ought to have the courage to stand up and say, well, this is who I am and this is how I voted. 
Uh, and so far, we've not heard back from those people uh, from the U of A on how and what that vote was. And folks, I think this is really important. Uh, when you have votes like this, we're going to remove a statue, remove a name, uh, a, an important historical figure, agree or disagree, and you're going to have uh, faculty and students making those decisions, then those faculty and students ought to be uh, accountable individually for their vote. You know, how would you like it if your state senators and state representatives voted and you never knew how they voted? Uh, and they said, well, this bill fails, but we're not telling you how we voted. The voters would never stand for that, and rightly so. Uh, but, and the U of A needs to be accountable for that. So we'll be contacting U of A today, asking for that information immediately. Robert, you're a uh, legal expert on Chris, you too, in the FOIA. What happens yeah. when a university like this doesn't respond in a timely manner, even telling you, look, the information you're seeking is going to take us longer than three days. They just kind of ignore the response. And if I've gotten the response and I can't find it, uh, I'll be glad to come on and apologize. But I can't find it. I've been looking through my emails this morning, and I still can't find their, their response. Well, Dan, you asked a wonderful uh, question. Yeah. yeah, well, go ahead, Chris, because that's the answer. Chris, go ahead. You, you, you file suit, Dan, and it's a fight. Um, they've got a, a room full of uh, attorneys. Um, they give squishy answers like, uh, well, they're in use right now. We're going to need more time. Um, Mr. Sullivan, uh, you are not specific enough um, to allow us to uh, identify those records that you are looking for. Would you, could you be more specific? So there's a, there's a lot of canned answers that they're trained to use by the Arkansas Municipal League, that bastion of liberal attorneys over there funded by taxpayer dollars. And uh, so you got to enjoy your rights. The answer is to enjoy your rights. You've got to enforce your rights. And, um, yeah, I, I figure they'll be, if you send out, you have to send them a, uh, you know, a threatening letter is what's going to happen from an attorney that you've got with a copy of the lawsuit, and um, then you'll get an answer, hopefully. Well, Dan, it sounds to me that Chris has volunteered uh, so that if uh, you don't get the answer that you're looking for, uh, we're going to call Chris, uh, say, tomorrow and have him draft that complaint and draft that letter so that you can get what you, as a citizen, by the way, Put aside that Dan Sullivan is state senator from Jonesboro. Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan is citizen of Arkansas, and he made a request, apparently, and it ain't being heeded. And so Chris Corbett, attorney of law, uh, sounds like he's going to write you a letter uh, to get that done if it, do, if it doesn't get done before then. It's really well, remarkable. It is, and I'm looking at the email right now that where they did receive uh, the FOIA request. So we'll uh, we'll be working on that, Chris. I, I may be calling you a little bit later. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Chris is exactly right, Dan. You don't have any rights unless you enforce your rights because the bureaucrats will step all over your rights. They, they don't care about your rights. They care about growing the bureaucracy. Let me mention uh, a, a bill that became law. Uh, and it was because of Chris, uh, Chris's great efforts. Chris uh, went over to the Little Rock Wastewater 
plant or center or building, I should say, and there was a sign that said uh, no firearms, even if you have the appropriate concealed carry license. So he contacted them and said, well, I don't think that's right. And they said, well, this provision says such and such and so and so. And it was a bit of a strained reading of that provision. uh, But nonetheless, the provision in the law uh, could have been made more clear. So Chris and I I spoke to Bob Ballinger, the great defender of the Second Amendment, amongst many, many others, of course, including you, Dan. Uh, And Bob wrote a bill to clarify the law that says, wait, if you have a license that permits you already to this day to carry in the state capitol, well, certainly you can carry in the city building as well. How can it be that you can carry in the state capitol, but you can't carry in City Hall or or Little Rock wastewater? That, That doesn't make any sense. And he ran that bill right at the end of the session, and he passed that bill right at the end of the session. Why? Because we believe that bureaucrats shouldn't be dictating the outcomes for the people. That was an example of uh, bureaucratic dictatorship, and we won't stand for that kind of behavior. So every time we see a bureaucracy push back against the rights of the citizens of Arkansas, we will push back against them. And we will do that specifically by going to court. That's the mechanism by which Arkansas citizens push back against bureaucratic overgrowth and overreach. And we would have done, been able to do it even more if we were able to pass the, the Dave Ellswick Free Speech on Campus Bill Part 2, of course, authored by you, Dan. Unfortunately, we couldn't pass it this time because of the not-so-conservative Republicans that we're dealing with, but we're going to pass it next time because we'll make sure to continue to push for more and more conservatives. As you mentioned, we brought three into the Senate this time. I hope to double that next time and then double it next time so that we have an entirely conservative legislature excuse me in uh, a few years it'll take some time but we'll get it done we'll get it done dan what else go ahead well i think the state of arkansas has proven uh that generally we are a conservative state and that those values and uh, that we, and traditional is probably another word, those values of, of God and country and family are still incredibly important to our Kansans. Uh, and I think we will continue to vote for people who, who support God and our country and our families. Our Kansans will continue to vote that way. All right, y'all, let's take a break. Uh, Let's hold that thought. We need to uh, get to our traffic. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are your resident legal experts. They are filling in for Dave on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave will be back tomorrow morning. And right now we're talking with State Senator Dan Sullivan. We'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. On the line with us, of course, is Chris Corbett, attorney and engineer up there in the Conway area. Look out for him in the Justice Bus. Also on the line, our good friend, Senator Dan Sullivan. Let me thank both Chris 
and Dan, as well, of course, as Dave for letting me host uh, the show this morning in advance, because I know Heidi is keeping the clock on when this final segment of the Dave Ellswick show this morning will end, even though I have this beautiful new watch from Sissy's Heres here in Little Rock and my good friend Rob Dooms. Uh, I am not able to keep good time. That's my uh, inability to chew gum and walk at the same time. So thank you guys for being on the show in advance. And Dan, We've been talking about this FOIA request that you made up there uh, for the U of A and how you're waiting on a response. Uh, And we're talking about this cancel culture that takes place because that's the issue that you're raising. This question of removing the Fulbright scholar. Uh, Fulbright was a U.S. senator from Arkansas from whom the Fulbright Scholarship Program, or after whom the Fulbright Scholarship Program is named. As I mentioned, I am a Fulbright Scholar, and I honor the great work that he has done. I recognize that he is a man, uh, was a man of his time, and so you need to contextualize uh, him in that uh, arena. Uh, there's a line from the Bible, of course, that says that Noah was a great man uh, of his time um, because he was a flawed individual, and we need to look upon individuals in the context in which they sit. Uh, and But this is all part of this cancel culture, this removal of of people who are history, this removal of God. Do you know that Biden gave his... National Day of Prayer Proclamation, unlike Trump, unlike um, um, uh, Obama, unlike um, uh, Bush, Biden never had the word God in his National Day of Prayer Proclamation. Now, how do you have a proclamation regarding prayer, but no reference to God? What are you praying to? What is the praying going to? That's what I don't understand. It's like one hand clapping. If you're praying, you're praying to something. If you're, if you're praying to nothing, then you're a little bonkers. You're praying to something. But he doesn't mention well, God. Why? Yeah. Because God's been canceled, according to the left. What do you think yeah. about that, Dan? Well, I agree completely. We're, we're praying to, our, to ourselves now. You know, we people, man, thinks and women think that the power rests within them uh, to change things. And those of us that believe in a higher power, a one God, believe differently. Uh, and again, we kind of talked about that a little bit before. Uh, but you know, that's the goal of our culture today is to remove, uh, to change the things that we believe in, God, countries, and families. It's trying to remove those things as important. And fortunately, we have people like this show and Dave's show and that you and Chris are hosting today that are not afraid to speak out on how important our traditions are and our culture is. Uh, and we're not, not going to stand on the sidelines and let those things be taken away. Yeah, it's really remarkable to me, Dan. It's okay to honor different groups that, that do X or do Y. And I believe that, by the way. I think it's great when we have this parade of one group and then a parade of another group, and people say, well, why do they get a parade? Hey, here's the thing. Everybody gets a parade. No problem. I got no problem with that. But for some reason, when we honor God or when we honor prayer, oh, you can't mention God, according to the lefties. Wait, wait, wait. 
why is it okay to to to, to mention the Oh, I'm just trying to think of some sort of benign group. The, the Knights of Columbus, they're great. Why is it okay to honor you know, Knights of Columbus Day? But we can't have God Day or a proclamation regarding prayer that actually reflects God. Why? Exactly because of the point that you raised, Dan, which is the left, they're okay with honoring any group uh, uh, that is about humans, and there's lots of good groups that are about humans and do great things. I've got no problem with that. In fact, I like that. We need that. That's important. But all of a sudden you want to mention God, and they're all hush-hush. That's cancel culture. That's what I'm talking about. And there's no accountability. That goes back to the point that we came into this segment talking about. That is your FOIA context, uh, your FOIA request, which is some folks want to cancel Fulbright, but we don't know who voted how. How is it that you want to cancel Fulbright, but you can't stand up and say who you are? And, of course, under the Freedom of Information Act, we should be able to get that information in any event because this is about public accountability. But the left doesn't want to be accountable. They want to change the culture. They want to change politics. They want to change what you believe. And they want to tell you that you're not allowed to think otherwise. Circle back to the very beginning of this show, if you were listening, and we talked about that University of Virginia medical student, Bhattacharya, who was told that he was effectively bonkers because he had the temerity to ask these people that were pushing the microaggression agenda, hmm, can you define your terms? Can you tell me to whom these microaggressions apply? And they said, well, you're being aggressive. No, I'm asking questions. And the problem is that you and your uh, emotional support peacock environment finds any time I challenge the lack of logic that you have, you call that aggressive to try to cancel me, to try to shut me down. That's what's going on in America today. And we need to push back. Of course, Dan Sullivan, you would have had that happen to some extent if your good bill uh, – in the Arkansas legislature, specifically in the Education Committee of the Senate, would have gotten out of that committee. It didn't, and it didn't because there aren't enough conservatives on that committee, even though there are a bunch of Republicans on that committee. I thank goodness, by the way, that we had uh, a few good uh, conservatives, and uh, first amongst them, well, I don't want to count anybody out, but I I, got to give a shout out to Charles Beckham. He did such a a, a fantastic job on that committee. He's a brand new senator, and he was the one who um, nominated the bill. I forget the terminology, frankly, but he put the bill up for a vote, and we couldn't even get a second. We couldn't even get no. a second from the alleged conservatives on that committee. That ain't right. So we need well, to. You know, we brought that. Fight. We brought that bill. We brought that bill up three times to the committee, and the first time it didn't get a second. Um, the second time, um, they, um, a member thought there was a, an error in the bill, a wording error. It turned out not to be the case. Uh, and the third time, we just couldn't pass it. Uh, but, we'll, we'll, again, we'll keep pushing. And the way to get these bills passed is to change the membership of the makeup uh, of a committee and get people on there that will help us get these things through. Because there are just too many cases in the state and nationwide where these kinds of things are happening. And just as we said, you know, a great example is having the Fulbright name or sign inside of a building. And now people are going to, uh, the potential is there to say, well, they'll, 
the Fulbright name inside the building, um, you know, I don't like to see that name, it offends me. Move the name or a picture. Uh, and there's a picture that offends me. So, you know, we've, it's important that we get uh, stand up for our free speech rights. Uh, you know, God forbid, forgive the reference, but God forbid uh, God's name shows up inside of a building. All right, y'all. That's a great place to uh, to end the show. So we want to say thank you to Chris, thank you to Robert, and thank you to State Senator Dan Sullivan. Dave Ellswick will be back in the saddle tomorrow morning for Tuesday's edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. And tomorrow, Elizabeth Sotolaro should be with Dave, as well as the Bible Guys. If you have a religious question, something you want to ask the Bible Guys more about, well, you can send your questions in to Bible guys at salemlr.com or you can call in between 7 and 8 a.m. tomorrow morning at 501-823-0965. Have a great Monday and we will see you back again for the Tuesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show.